Hello everyone and welcome to One Showport Podcast. Episode 232. I'm Benjamin Yoder. Here's today. Talk about talk to me about talk to you about video games. Hey. Do you like listening to me talk about video games? Do you like it when I talk into your ears about video games? Well, what if I did that directly rather than via headphones? Um, There is a very good chance that this week on Sunday, I will be giving a presentation at the Sin City Anime Convention here in Las Vegas. Uh, It will probably be at 10 a.m. on on Sunday, the 21st of November. So if you want to come and and see a presentation about the PCFX. Um, you can do that. It's going to be a pretty, you know, overall, like a, a more of a rounded conversation about the PCFX rather than just these kind of like, like my, my PCFX video is like very focused on software and things like that, right? So it's going to be more of a rounded conversation about the PCFX, you know, a little bit about the history, a little bit about the hardware. I don't want to like spend a ton, a ton of time on that, but I do want to talk about it. You know, just make sure people have an understanding. You know, when you're here on this channel, listening to me talk about stuff, I assume you have a lot more context for what's happening in the game industry and stuff versus like if I'm going to like an anime convention, I might have to do a little more work to kind of put stuff together, right? Um, and make sure that the people who are there have an understanding of what I'm talking about. So um, that will probably be happening. I'm still waiting on the final sign off, but I did get communication back from them saying that basically it seemed very likely they're going to put me there, that they actually were like, hey, cool, you can do it as long as you're still good to do it because it's so late that they're telling me. Admittedly, I submitted very late, I should say, so it's not like their fault. Um, so uh, I, I basically told them, let me take some time to make sure I can put everything together. I took some time this weekend, and I think I generally, like, even if it's not, you know, perfect, I think I can get something put together that's generally pretty good. Um, and and so hopefully I can go ahead and do that. So, um If you're like, hey, Ben, I don't live in Las Vegas or will not be traveling there this week for some weird reason um, that you would have would have traveled here. Not that that it's weird that you're not traveling here this week. (laughs) I went ahead and bought a camera. Uh, It's a Sony camera. I was trying to, you know, I've been wanting to buy a camera for a while. The big thing is I just don't want to spend a lot of money. And my my budget was two hundred dollars and I ended up going a little bit over like two hundred thirty that I that I spent. But um, the, the, the cameras that were below that just were a little too low quality for me to feel good about. Um, but when I looked at the Sony camera, what I can do, you know, it's not the best thing ever, but I think it will work for what we're doing um, on this channel for sure. So it's a little pricier than I would like, but I but I did good that. So I will try to record that um, when that that panel happens. I cannot guarantee it will work. I cannot guarantee it'll be successful, but I will try um, and I don't have it here yet. So that's something I just got to like actually figure out and troubleshoot like, you know, uh, like on Wednesday or Thursday or whenever it gets here. I also bought a tripod and like a little wireless lapel as well. Um, so we'll see how those work and maybe depending on how good they are, um, then I can utilize them for other things like having a better background. That's not just always the green screen background on the YouTube version of the podcast or, um, you know, for videos and stuff, because I do like I do want to have some more frames of me in the videos on YouTube. It's not a huge deal. I don't really care that much, but it would be nice to have that option, that flexibility, because right now, whenever I think about how can I fit myself in a frame with a camera and I have to like have a laptop with the webcam connected and I always have a lot of trouble with like the webcam being focused properly and everything. So hopefully having like a camcorder will give me more flexibility in that regard. So but it was a bit more money than I wanted to expend. Even like the wireless repel- lapels were a bit more pricey than I wanted to. So it was a big hit in the wallet. And it was one of those things that I honestly was thinking about. Maybe I should do some kind of like crowdfunding thing for 
But, you know, given I have very little time to uh, <laughs> turn this around, then I just decided to go ahead and jump in on it. So anyways, we'll see how that goes. Hopefully it goes well. I'm pretty, um, pretty interested and in, in, in somewhat excited for it. So um, I was actually really a big fan of or big fan. I really enjoyed doing public speaking in, in college. Um, and when my I was doing my public speaking class, I did a lot of video game presentations and stuff. And, um, you know, at least I felt like I did very well in there and I very much enjoyed it um, when I had the time to make it right kind of thing. Um, and the people who were in the class at least, you know, enjoyed it when I did it. So I'd imagine it's probably pretty similar to how, you know, how I talk on here. Although there's a difference between like having something you kind of memorize. Like I'm not practicing the podcast every week, right? This is literally just me throwing words out of my mouth. And I might restart the recording from time to time if I feel like I do a bad job. But, you know, generally, generally, you know, I I, uh, I think it's probably going to be pretty similar to how I deliver this uh, to some degree. Hopefully a little cleaner. You know, sometimes I stumble over my words. I like to say, you know, a lot. I like to say, um, a lot. It drives me crazy when I'm editing casual reviews all the time so yeah we'll see how that goes speaking of pcfx i spent a good chunk of uh the last week playing a little bit of sparkling feather which if you don't know is a strategy rpg on the pcfx um and the big thing i was trying to do because i've beaten this game in the past i wanted to just get a better understanding of how the game works because it is a fairly easy game to beat in terms of at least getting the bad ending um but it is a very difficult not difficult but there is a little bit of layers to the mechanics and like the certain menu items and things like that you you can use uh to that game because it's not like a traditional strategy rpg it's not like something where you you know final fantasy tactics tell your guy to fight tell your guy to cast magic tell so on and so forth to do direct things and they will do exactly what you tell them to do um instead it's a, a relationship based uh a strategy rpg and it basically plays like an auto rpg so the characters will go and move around on their own so if you give them an objective you don't have to tell them every turn to go do that objective They'll just go and do their thing until that objective is complete, basically. Um, it's it's probably not my favorite PCFX game. Um, there's a lot of kind of issues with it. It's kind of slow as well. Um, so, you know, how much would I recommend you play Sparkling Feather? That's kind of a different thing. There's a, There are things to enjoy about Sparkling Feather. I will say that. Uh, but I wanted to go ahead and just like kind of, you know, get the PCFX guide uh, put together for it and hopefully out there because I do want to do more like RPGs and visual novels on those PCFX guides rather than just, you know, shoveling out the most accessible stuff possible as soon as possible because that's the easiest thing to do, right? Um, so I will probably be putting together some resources for that as well. It might be something I might do more often in the future with the English guides is try to create resources that will help people more because what I've done before is kind of like looked at what the resources are that are out there and just linked to them kind of thing and um, I went back and kind of re-reviewed the battle heat um, resources I, I linked and I feel like they're a little um, a little messy in, in some ways they're still good resources but they're just a little hard to, to digest so I was thinking like what if I can take that battle heat information and basically put it together in a way that people can more easily read it I tried to do a little draft and I don't think I'm gonna like really clean it up that much so I'll probably just kind of post the draft as is because I think it works well enough as is and I'll probably also do a reworking of the battle heat video because there also is um Paul Daniel uh translated the the manual using like some machine translation and things like that um um, so if you want to get some more details about the game, you can also use that manual. And I think it'd be worth it to mention that in the video as well. Because while the, the Giant Bomb Wiki page is really good for like just getting a core understanding how attacks work, it's not great at under like explaining defensive moves. And and I think the how it reads in terms of like 
the special skills you should do and stuff is a little more confusing than um than how the manual presents that stuff. Although weirdly enough, some of the moves are missing from the manual. Um, they they just I guess have secret hidden moves that they just decided not to show the player, and the player themselves just had to figure out on their own maybe. So. So yeah, Sparkling Feather, still working on that. I just want to kind of try to beat it again. I want to try to get the good ending. I think I'm I'm following somebody's video in Japan, but it's an incomplete video. They didn't upload everything with it, and I can't exactly see how they progressed to get the good ending, but I can at least see some of the cutscenes and stuff, so I can at least figure out, you know, if I get off track, I can kind of figure out where I got off track at. Um, because then I'll be able to tell if I'm missing a cutscene or something like that. And maybe getting all those cutscenes is what gets me to the good ending. I don't know if that's true or not. And I may have to give up and be like, sorry, I've never been able to figure this game out <laughs> in this regard. But, you know, I at least I, I'm, I'm giving it a good shot. So still need to get through a, a chunk of that game still. Uh, I don't know how far I am. Maybe like halfway through. I don't have a strong memory of that game because it is so like... You more or less just kind of have it on the background. It's very much like that Ice Climber RPG on the PlayStation 1 where you don't really want to sit there and spend a ton of time staring at it um, unless you're doing something like a really intensive fight where you really want to micromanage. In most encounters, you can just kind of point everybody to the final boss and be like, okay, go kill the boss of the map and then let them do their own thing. You know, check their health every turn, cast some spells, heals, things like that. But, you know, there's definitely ways you can die in that game and, and have to restart. Or I'll... I don't know if you have to restart. I think characters dying like affects their relationships with you. So it depends on how much you care about the relationship stuff. So um, one thing I did want to talk a little bit about, and I may have talked about this before on the podcast, but I think I kind of held myself back because I thought there might be a video that I would do for it. And that is Battle Rage on the Wii. And Battle Rage for the Wii is a um, <laughs> like a behind the back third person mech game uh, that is... I don't know if it shows a lot of promise. It, you know, it being a mech game on the Wii got me a little excited. I was like, oh man, this looks really rad. Um, but, you know, I kind of expected not much because the, the publishers and everything look like those kind of typical shovelware publishers. Um, but as a game that feels like it has a lot of heart to it, it has a pretty extensive story about how basically, you know, <laughs> I guess like in my mind now that I've, I'm thinking about it, it probably is similar to like what the Squid Game thing is, right? Where it's like rich people... And, and keep in mind, I have not watched Squid Game. It's just there's been so many people talk about Squid Game. It's hard to not know what it's about. Um, but basically, it's a bunch of rich people. And then they have like prisoners who can basically fight their way out using the mech combat stuff. And there's like a like a surprising decent amount of art. And the art is actually like really nice and detailed in a lot of ways. Uh, but the game itself is just like put together in a very cheap fashion, unfortunately. Um, and it's just basically like a one-on-one -on -one mech arena fighter. And I think the big problem is that while there's a lot of complexity to the controls and things like that, um, the game never challenges you to utilize them and it never feels like good to play um, using the different moves and stuff. So you largely just kind of stick to whatever your like most highest damaging moves are and like just basically melee attack enemies if you're close range. And then if you're far, you know, just shoot enemies with your typical gun or go pick up the rocket launchers on the map that do way too much damage and just sit there and like, camp those and just launch rockets all the time uh, you'll definitely lose from time to time I, at least i personally found that that uh, it's like there's a challenge there in terms of like you can just get like messed up but it's not losing in a way that feels like a a challenge or feels like there's a way that you should like better handle the situation it usually is just like the controls are a little iffy in a way that you don't really 
you know, uh, it doesn't, I don't know. It doesn't feel like there's a, there's a high skill ceiling on the controls. It feels like you more or less just need to learn how to work with it and then, and then just kind of scrape by with what you have. But again, like it's super easy once you know what you're doing, even if there are like times where you can like get kind of caught off guard and killed. You know, I, I, I say that, but like, I don't think there's were many encounters where I was killed more than once. And I think you have to kill each enemy five times. I think you have five lives as well. So I don't, know if i ever got a single game over but i definitely got killed before in, in that game so there's definitely ways you can be caught off guard and and killed um uh, potentially so anyways there's not a lot to say about it that's why i kind of decided not to do a full review on it because it really is just kind of like this janky third person mech fighting game that unfortunately just doesn't have a lot to it but you can tell that somebody behind it had some ideas there was some spirit behind it and unfortunately just did not have the budget to get where it needs to be to make it an interesting game um, I also think the screenshots on Amazon might be not actual real screenshots. I mean, they are screenshots using the in-engine stuff, but like I saw some like animations where like the characters are punching each other and they are reacting in ways that I'm pretty sure in the game they do not react. So I wonder if somebody like basically took, you know, the in-game assets, posed them, and then basically take took pictures of like characters punching each other and reacting in a way that they don't really in-game. I'm glad I played uh, uh, Battle Rage though. So like I can't complain too much. It's like a $5 Wii game I got a while ago. And like, I just picked it up on a whim because I thought it was like a really neat looking thing. And unfortunately it did not work out, but I'm glad I, I'm aware of it. And now in the future, I can reference Battle Rage whenever I need to in my life, right? Sometimes you just need that. Um, I went ahead and finished up EDF 4.1 finally. So that was like a 30, 25 to 30 hour game, which was way too long in my opinion for an EDF. Um, so, you know, there weren't really anything like... There wasn't anything new that I really had to say about EDF 4.1 other than I just wish there was more like weapon variety in the normal mode. I think if you go into higher difficulties, you probably do get more weapons that have more like extreme effects and everything. But I was kind of hoping to see more of that progression in the normal mode. And I'm just not going to grind through hard like Inferno and all that stuff. Like it's just way too much to do that. And, and I just have no real interest. So... There's still, the group I'm playing with is still looking at maybe doing DLC. I'm still kind of on the fence. It's like 40 to 50 missions of DLC, which is a lot. You know, it took us about 25 to 30 hours to get through 98 missions, I think it was. So another 50 is like another, you know, half that game. And I, and they're like hard missions too, supposedly. So maybe there's some value there in terms of it being challenging. But I think in reality, what I really want to do is play EDF World Brothers. That just looks like the most appealing EDF game at me to me at this point. Not only because it has a cute aesthetic, um, but because there's also some mechanical differences too, because you don't like have a loadout of weapons as far as I can tell. You like switch between different characters. So you bring like four characters with you and you can switch between them and they have their own like different skills and their own weapon and things like that. And they can have their own different movements. So, you know, you can have a wing diver with you uh, essentially at all times as far as I can tell. So I think that game is still like the one that just like stands out to me the most is the one that I really want to, you know, sit down and play. But unfortunately, it is a full priced video game still. And while I would, you know, I don't have any bones paying full price for it. Um, the group I'm, I'm playing with, I think they would not want to pay full price for an EDF game at this point. So unfortunately, I don't think we'll play it anytime soon. I think that DLC is the most likely EDF future I have. I'm just not very excited about it. So <laughs> in the meantime, though, while we're waiting for a sale on that DLC, we did go ahead and start up Strange Brigade, which is a game that I was actually kind of interested in. Um, this is like kind of like a co-op four person, third person shooter kind of thing. Um, I'm trying to think of what I could compare it to, really. Maybe like kind of like an Uncharted um, co-op mode, but it feels a bit more stilted. Um, 
I, I did. We did play it on like hard mode because I think the, the group I'm with, I think we generally prefer to have more of a challenge when it comes to uh, multiplayer interactions and coordinating. At least I personally feel like that that is a, a thing about that group that has been kind of a somewhat consistent thing. Um, and, and so we played on the hardest difficulty or one of the harder ones at the very least. And I did find that the enemies were a little too bullet spongy, but I can't, I feel like I can't complain too much given, you know, the fact that we were on a, a significantly higher level difficulty. We also hadn't played through the game yet. So it could be that, you know, our weapons need to be more upgraded, but either way, we were able to get through the first mission without too much trouble. The game's very generous on respawning and things like that. I'm actually playing as one of the DLC characters. Apparently I bought the DLC when I got it. Um, I assume just as a bundle, but I did not realize I did that. Um, so I was playing as the, I think his name's like Hanzo, which is like the, uh, guy that's like, I don't know. He has like a, was he a fisherman? I can't remember, but anyways, but, um, it, it seems to play fine. The controls are a little stiff and everything, uh, but there's like some light puzzle solving so far. We only did the first mission. So, but it did take us like two and a half hours to get through there because we were exploring everything. And also we were on, you know, again, hard. So we were like taking a while to kill anything, like just killing a, a scorpion in that game, you know, was taking like four to five, if not more shots for my rifle, um, which, you know, they're just kind of small minions. They do move quickly as well. And getting hit by one would basically take like at least half my HP or very close to half my HP, if not that. So yeah, that's what I've been playing. Um, so, you know, fun little things, uh, sparkling feather, you know, if you remember last week, I mentioned I was going to take a, a day a week generally to try to just play a game without interruption on anything. Uh, sparkling feather was the game I chose to do that with last week. Um, I kind of did that again this week um, because I knew that I was going to be a little busy this weekend. So I went ahead and did that on, I believe, Monday um, when I played uh, some more Sparkling Feather that night. Um, although I did like go and like uh, work on a couple different things, if I recall correctly. But um, largely, I've just played, you know, more Sparkling Feather and, 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 and that. So I think Sparkling Feather is really going to be focused, the focus of my kind of just like focus on gaming days for now, just because I do need to get through that title. Um, but once I get done with that, I'll probably be a bit more open to what are the things I check out. I would likely like to prioritize PCFX stuff, actually. So we'll see. A Nintendo G I need to get back to as well. And 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 I beat Nintendo G, but I want to see more of the floors in that game because um, I think there's going to be value to doing that um, and be able to talk about that experience when I inevitably, hopefully, make my video about Nintendo G. Um, I think that will be in the, in the, in the short term, a goal of mine. Um, you know, I don't think you'll be waiting longer than three months or anything like that, but we'll see, you know how it is with me. I, I promise things. And then like six months later, I'm like, oh, I'll start looking at this again <laughs> kind of thing. Um, in terms of news stories this week, I have a, a, a speckle sheet of a speckle, a, a, a spread of things. A lot of these I don't have a ton to say about, I think. So unfortunately, this might be a shorter podcast because I think I did start look, recording a little late looking at my timer. But anyways, um, in terms of news this week, though, um, the, the more fresher stuff, I was looking at Doll's Frontline 2. Um, I don't really have anything to say about that other than I just like the aesthetic of it. If you haven't seen what Doll Fr Doll's Frontline 2 looks like, it's basically like a top-down strategy game, and they have a really nice, like, cell-shaded, like, look to the characters and everything. I always say cell-shaded with, like, those anime characters. I have no idea if that's actually cell-shading at this point. Probably not. Anime-style characters, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's so tempting to just call it cell shading because that's the old term that most people would use for that stuff. I probably need to drop that. I'm just being an old man over here. Um, but anyways, so so there's that, um, and it just it just has a nice look to it, I think. And I, I wish there was a game that I would actually play, um, but I'm I'm not going to. I'm gonna play Valkyrie Revolution or Valkyrie Chronicles Three at some point instead. So which is a game I do really want to play though. So. 
Um, I was really caught off by surprise or caught by surprise this week when Q Games announced that the Tomorrow Children is coming back. If you don't know what this is, this was that free to play early PS4 era title with, uh, by Q Games. So Dylan Cuthbert. Um, so one of the guys on the, the Star Fox, uh, uh, original Star Fox development team also worked on those uh, pixel junk uh, games, I believe is what they were called. Um, so the, this game in specific, um, it was kind of like a, I guess you could say like communal Minecraft game where they had to like fight these bosses by building up towns and things like that and adding weapons to them. And then once the bosses would die, you'd like create these little portals or something that would basically allow you to go over there, go over there and like mine out the bosses and take out their materials. I think people generally like the aesthetic of the game. I don't know if anybody really loved the mechanics of it, or at least, you know, anyone in the mainstream, I'm sure it had its fans, right? Um, but it, it was something that I think a lot of people really liked the look of and kind of generally liked the idea of, but it just never really worked out. And so it sounds like, and, and it was a Sony published thing. So, you know, they eventually shut it down. So it sounds like Dylan wants to go back or at least Q games. Uh, wants to go back and basically rework it a bit, you know, see if they can improve it and, and relaunch it. Um, so we'll see how that works out. I'm glad they were able to do that. And, you know, I'm always up for these games sticking around as long as possible. So, so seeing them bring that back is, is um, exciting for me because, you know, I really don't know if there's anything that Q Games could have done otherwise that would catch my attention at this point. You know, they're making, you know, really neat little games and things like that, but um, just none of them, you know, I played the Pixel Junk games, I enjoyed them and things like that, but none of them really jumped out at me as like things I absolutely want to continue to check out. Um, admittedly, I will say, I've not been paying attention to Q Games for a very long time. I think the last game I remember looking at was one where they, I think you were mining and then you were like digging for soup. Or something weird like that. That is like the last memory I have of looking at a Q games or something. So I don't know what they've been doing in recent years. Uh, but that is very cool and caught my attention. And I'm glad they're doing that. Speaking of old online games, Final Fantasy XI is getting a new update. I'm going to say right now, I'm not going to be able to talk very like strongly about you know Final Fantasy XI, given I do not actively play it and have not actively played it for a long time. Um, so I'm not going to be able to say a lot about this update, but I will say the reason I'm spotlighting this is that they actually are talking about, um, or, or rather what they're implementing in the, the next version, is basically increasing the level cap. So that game is basically up at level 99. It used to be level 75 for a very long time. And then uh, probably about early 2000s, 2010s, I think they they started increasing that up and got it up to 99. And I'm gonna guess, take a strong guess that that level 99 was the cap that they built for the actual like stat slot in there, so they can't increase it beyond that at this point. So they they did do the whole like you know modern MMO thing where you can get like eye levels for gear and things like that. There's also something called like the merit point system and all that stuff. So so they've done things in the past that allow you to kind of extend your 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 boundaries in terms of your levels and how you can get stats and things like that outside of just equipment um so in this case they're going to be doing something called master levels which essentially is a additional leveling uh uh climb above the current levels and it will also increase the sub job level value when you do so so if you don't know final fantasy 11 has something where you can basically set a sub job very similar to Final Fantasy V. So basically, if you're like, say, for example, a level 75 Paladin, your sub job could be a level 37 White Mage, and you can basically use the majority of all the skills, spells, and things like that that a level 37 White Mage can use. So you can kind of accentuate your job. This kind of extended over to Final Fantasy XIV a little bit, where they allow you to like basically create custom sub jobs. It was, it was a little different because you could basically pull multiple abilities from various jobs and put them on a character, because back then there's classes and there weren't like the traditional Final Fantasy 
Fantasy Jobs. And then, yeah, I'm not going to go into Final Fantasy 14 and how that whole thing developed. But, you know, and it still technically exists in Final Fantasy 14 today, I think, where, like, there's some very weird things we have to like assign certain skills that don't really make sense of why you have to do it that way other than just it's a legacy thing but anyway so so they're going to allow you to increase that sub job value which just gives you more possibilities and things like that so i don't really know how high they plan to go with that i think in the current patch or the, the upcoming patch they said level 53 is going to be the next highest level for the sub job system so not really sure how relevant that is to any jobs in the game but i'm sure there's some jobs that have some skills that are beyond level um 49 that that people have been wanting to implement into other jobs for a while so i thought that was pretty cool and you know i know they've been talking about trying to do something big for the 20th anniversary of final fantasy 11 for a long time so being able to see them you know make a big step like this or at least what appears to be a big step as me as an outsider of that game at this point um it, it's very exciting in my opinion so that is cool Getting into the old news, because last week, if you, if you don't remember from last week, I accidentally skipped over the news. Um, and, and still speaking of uh, Square Enix Online MMOs, Dragon Quest X, um, if you don't remember, there was a offline version of Dragon Quest X announced. And the offline version of Dragon Quest X is not um, not the same game as the actual online Dragon Quest X. It is a very different game, different aesthetically. I assume it's following the same story. And I'm not really sure if mechanically it's different as well. But one kind of neat little thing is that when you finished up Dragon Quest X offline, um, since that game is still online as well, or rather the online version of that game is still available, um, anyone who finishes up Dragon Quest X, it sounds like you can basically uh, transfer that character transfer in quotes, I, I guess. It sounds like you're probably not going to be able to have bring over much, um, but you're going to be able to basically get access to a level 70 version of that character, which I think is the cap of the game right now, based off what I read. Uh, if not, then, you know, it at least gets you level 70. And uh, that's based off the job class you have in, in Dragon Quest X. So I thought that was really cool. I would hope that, you know, if, if they are like making the combat system feel very similar to Dragon Quest X's online version, that uh, that those that kind of skill sets you get from from leveling up to level 70 uh, will basically, you know, transfer over so you can kind of, you know, utilize those things when you when you get in the game. And by, by I mean, I mean, when I mean skill sets, I don't necessarily mean literal skills in the game. What I mean is like like your ability to handle different roles and things like that based off your job class, right? Um, something that I, I think is um, important in terms of the grind of certain games, at least on the initial uh, climb, because at least in my opinion, I feel like there's there's a nice thing to like climbing up and learning different web, like abilities as you go on and, and stuff. Because I remember like in, uh, I think it's like called Tower of the Dead or something like that in Final Fantasy XIV. There's like some tower you can do that's like an accelerated leveling tower. And I played like a new job in that accelerated leveling tower area. And like the, the rate at which you get new abilities and things like that um is is so fast that uh it was really hard to kind of keep track of what you should be doing with your character and i know you can buy potions of that game to also like just skip up to a certain level and things like that too so i don't know i, I think there's I, I think it'd be nice to be able to transfer some of your like personal experience from those two games over but the games look so different that my impression is that maybe the game mechanics itself would probably be very different as well i'm just guessing it's the story stuff or maybe not very different but you know different from what a traditional dragon quest 10 online experience would be so i wish that game was a little more faithful to the online one at least in terms of the aesthetics 
Um, just personally, I would have liked to see what that would have looked like um, as somebody who has been kind of infinitely interested in a Final Fantasy XI offline, but also realistically believes we'll never get a real Final Fantasy XI offline. Just like something like this, the current Dragon Quest X offline. I, I imagine it'd be something like that if we got anything at all, which I'm going to guess no. <laughs> um, but um, I, I, it would have, I would be curious to see how they, they handled that. And the reality is probably that it's way too much effort to rebalance all that stuff and make that work. So why do that when you can basically build a new game using the framework of that online uh, Dragon Quest? And then a couple developer check-ins I have here real quick. I don't really have anything to say about it, but there was that new Star Ocean game that was announced at the PlayStation. Uh, I've heard State of Play, I think is what they call them. And uh, I don't really have any personal interest in a new Star Ocean, but I do want to say two things about it. One is that, hey, I'm glad Media Vision is making video games. They were not at the point that I was like super, super concerned yet, but they did go long enough without making a new game that I was like, oh boy, are they are they cool? Are they all right? Admittedly, when you look at their website, they tell you how many staff members they had, and they had a pretty significant chunk. So they're probably not just working on, uh, you know, the mobile Star Ocean mobile game, which I think is actually shutting down or has shut down one of the other one of those two i think we talked about it actually a while ago um but yeah it's a, it's a it's cool to see them still working on stuff but again i'm not a huge star ocean fan i feel like the premise is just a little stagnant for me like i really want those star ocean games to focus more on the space exploration part and like visiting different worlds with different types of environments and they almost always just are like hey space also medieval europe and then okay go back to space kind of thing um so yeah i am like happy though that the kind of the second point is i am happy that they are keeping that very like ps2 era aesthetic in terms of like the the anime aesthetic being applied to more traditional video game graphics rather than going for the you know current look which is again a good look and everything there's nothing bad about it but the current look which basically just tries its best to mimic anime but in 3d i kind of like that the, the, they you know are keeping that own their own look seems like people were pretty upset about it though a lot of people called them like doll looking characters which i mean xenoblade chronicles x had the same uh complaints and and i i totally understand it and you know maybe there's a way to do that in that style without coming off that way but i think it's just kind of the nature of that look honestly um just because it is that more like uh, I don't know what you'd call it. Like it, it is more like a, a traditional anime style, just that anime look. So there's like, like the, you know, the deep pores, I guess that you would see on characters. Like there's a lot of, there's a lack of detail on a lot of the textures of those characters, I feel like. And, and it kind of creates this look that a character is, is smooth, like a doll and people don't like the look of that. So Anyways, that's at least my thoughts on why it looks that way and why people feel that way. Speaking of graphics, actually, real quick. So a couple weeks ago, I think I talked about Grand Theft Auto uh, Trilogy Remastered. I need to go back and look at that trailer because I remember at the time I thought it didn't look bad. I thought it looked weird, but I didn't think it looked bad. Um, but now that people got their hands on it, it sounds like it is not great looking. I've seen some example pictures and some of the character models do not look particularly good. Um, and so I'll be curious to see if they fix that, but I also get the impression that they do not care because if you don't know, the Grand Theft Auto games have been getting like re-releases, but it's been using like the iOS versions or Android versions or mobile, some kind of mobile release of those games. And people have been generally pretty unhappy about them, I think, um, for a while. And they just keep delisting the old versions, which actually, you know, 
um, are fine-ish, <laughs> or at least in the, they, they, they are more um, faithful to the original experience. Let's put it that way. Uh, so, you know, at the end of the day, people are going to do what they're going to do to get access to those things and play them, whether that be on a PS2 or on a PC or do a PS2 emulator on PC or something like that. So there's always options for you there. Um, but it does sound like Rockstar is being particularly aggressive. I, I did I did not look into the news story for this, but I kept seeing reports from people that, uh, that they were trying to basically uh d-list mods and things like that which is kind of disappointing but you know they're doing their thing i guess so i'm sure they have every right to do it but it doesn't make it like you know uh great for your community you know people that that have been you know keeping those games alive on pc for such a long time you know especially when they were not particularly um I don't know. I feel like I feel like Rockstar Games has not been particularly kind to PC users in general, honestly. So, but yeah, you know, Rockstar is big enough they don't have to care. Um, but it is a it is a, a little disappointing that it that it turned out the way it did, unfortunately. So, uh, the last story here, which is supposed to be kind of after the Star Ocean one, is just that Fantasy Life Online, uh, the English beta for that, is going up, or I think it's up right now in like Canada and Argentina and things like that. So it sounds like that's moving forward. I don't know if we talked about Fantasy Fantasy Life Online, but basically, as far as I understand, you know, that original Fantasy Life game was a, a Xbox game that got canceled, and then it sounds like they're basically repurposing it for mobile or or reimagining it. It's probably the better line. You know, the original Xbox is when that original Fantasy Life was being. Um, planned so you know when you're this far out you know you're probably kind of reworking everything with the modern sensibilities of a modern game and and what it means to be a mobile mmorpg things like that so i will say i do not know a lot about that game but more than anything i just want to do check in because i am always curious what level five is doing um because i i'm kind of interested to see if they're going to pull themselves out of their little rut that they have at least in japan they seem fairly active but within outside of japan they do not seem to be doing all that much um or at least not all that much directly occasionally some stuff comes over like snack world things like that but but yeah Anyways, that's it for this week. Thanks for coming. OneControlPro.com is the website. Um, if you didn't see last week, there was a Keikaishi casual review that went up. So if you want to check that out, you can do that. This upcoming week, we have a uh, English guide for the PCFX for Kishin Zenki. As I mentioned before, I will be essentially... Uh, or really in that video, what I'm focusing on is kind of the control aspect of that game a little bit, making sure people understand, you know, that there are like additional moves you can do in that game rather than just punching everything with the normal attack button. And also just talking a little bit about the anime, not very deep, just basically acknowledging that it exists, how much I watched and what it basically, you know, helped me with in terms of, um, uh, you know, putting, putting together some of the, the story po points in the world itself. In, in that sense. So I know when it comes to the PCFX fan base, I'm sure most people are t tired of hearing about Zenki out of Zoroigar and out about Chip Chan Kicks. So, you know, I'm trying to not, you know, step on those, you know, back to back to back. But, you know, I, it was an easy one to do and put together without too much trouble. And I, given how the last month went, went I needed an easy win. So, <laughs> so there you go. Um, Sparkling Feather one is I'm working on, though, like I said, it's just a lot of work. So it's going to just take some time. And I'll probably go back and touch up the Battle Heat one and put that in a way that, um, that I feel like is a bit more substantial and will help somebody figure that game out um, um, easier. And then I think we have a casual no we i think i'm gonna be doing a um not a casual review but a uh, multi-tap podcast the week after that so still trying to finalize that if not we'll be putting up a casual review that week but for now 
yeah, that's that's going to be it. In terms of streaming, we'll be streaming the Sword of Ateria again. Had some trouble last week with it, so hopefully this week it goes better. I was kind of hoping to be able to grind offline, but the reality is between the uh, potential planning of that panel, or very likely planning of that panel and putting that together, um, it is it is unlikely that I will really get the time to play a sort of a Tyria between now and Thursday. So I might just have to jump on screen stream and try to figure it out. And if we get stuck again, just have a backup plan where we go and play something else. Probably don't know what we're going to be doing for Thanksgiving. I will be th- streaming on Thanksgiving day though. I decided not to go to my uh, dad's family or dad's friend's house rather uh, just because, you know, they're, they're his friends, not so much mine. So <laughs> I don't mean that in a rude way. Just, you know, they're very nice people, but uh, I, I, I just, don't really have a that I do not feel like it's a good use of my time to go just hang out with people I don't really know and don't have a lot in common with. Um, but I will be going to see my family just not on that Thanksgiving day specifically. So I will be on stream streaming. So if you want to come hang out, we'll be doing something there. Don't quite know what that will be yet. Rowan of the Platforms and Pitfall podcast asked maybe doing uh, Botankaitis Origins, which is a game that I wouldn't necessarily mind uh, sitting down and playing through. So we'll see, though. We'll, we'll, we'll spend some time with it, maybe, um, and and figure out what's going on there. Otherwise, though, thank you so much for coming this week. OneController.com is the website. Again, if you want to see that panel, it's very likely that it will be on Sunday the 21st at 10 a.m. Pacific time. Specific time because, you know, I am here in Las Vegas and you will be too if you're going to watch it. Um, or at least live, right? Um, if there's any changes to that, I will let you know. I will post on the Twitter if it doesn't happen. I'll post on the Twitter if it does happen. So just keep an eye on it. Also post on the Facebook as well. I've made a Facebook group for One Control Port 2 if you haven't seen that yet. So that if you want to check that out, you can do that too. Anyways, thank you again. Have a great week. Bye.